0: to estradiol illusions we have a very exciting guest here with us to uh we're gonna go on a travel through time to uh a more i know people talk a lot about um how how lgbtq history or lgbtq visibility has uh really exploded over the past uh 10 years or so but uh, i always like to remind people uh lgbtq people have been around for all of uh, recorded history, and uh, we have with us somebody, uh, Heather Reed, who uh, made it big with a band called The The Murmurs, that have uh, a lot of uh, really great music videos that we're going to dive into, but uh, somebody who was making music in the 90s in a, at a time before uh, gay rights and all of that uh, really, really took off in the world. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about uh, your career and everything. Heather, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Hi. Hello, everyone. Um, Let me see. What can I tell you about myself? Well, I'm a musician. And yes, some of my um, fondest days as a musician were um, at the start of my career in a band called The Murmurs. um, But since then, I've had some other bands and The Murmurs lasted about, I would say, a decade, a little bit more. Um, We evolved into a band called Gush. And then as many of your listeners might know, um, Lisha got booked on a show called The L Word. So we kind of, that was more of a full-time gig for her. And then I had to kind of rediscover myself. So I started a band called Red Car, um, which I was very proud to be a part of. And then I kind of branched off and did a solo album. And now I'm just following my dream and... Um, working on musicals, composing music and lyrics for musicals, which I did do in that broad kind of like resume I just gave you. I, I composed a musical. And we put that on as well during that time. But now that's like my main focus.
0: So having, having read about your background and then uh, dove into your music a lot, it, it did make a lot of sense to me that you were interested in musical theater. I think a lot of your lyrics are very... Uh, conversational. There's a great flow. They're the kind of songs where you you hear it and then you want to listen to it again because you want to follow the the train of thought. They're very uh, m- more uh, in- intellectual. Well, they're catchy, but but they they get you thinking a lot as well.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you very much. I mean, I think you know, in the early days, as an early when I was first writing songs, um, you know, it was very it was all about the metaphors and you know having a broader stroke i guess as far as my writing um and now i've just i just find that it's all about telling a story so that's kind of where i come from when i'm writing these days
0: so i i'm about to kind of ask a question that i don't know how how answerable it is but i'm sure it's on basically everybody's mind it's it's on a lot of people's uh minds within the lgbtq community can you tell us in, in a most explainable manner what it what it was like what it was like to be gay and out in the 90s?
1: Well, let's see. Um, We had, we actually had a lot of fun. I lived in New York City, and that's where I met Leisha. um, And another, you know, and a big group of friends that I'm still friends with and very close with today. And we met at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And when we graduated, um, Leisha was actually one of the first friends in our group of friends that was out and gay. And... I just I was so in awe by that kind of courage, and I knew that something was happening inside of me, and I was having those feelings like, oh my gosh, I, I think I'm gay too, <laughs> but you know I didn't even I didn't even know where to begin with that with that feeling. So um, so Alicia was like a, a huge kind of she was an inspiration to a lot of us, um, but after we graduated from the academy. Leisha and I um, started playing music together in a theater company. We were in this theater company out in Brooklyn, and, um, and at this point we were both like, yeah, we are we are gay, but we didn't. It wasn't like um, something that we had to declare every second. And then we got signed by um, a man named Billy Basinski and he introduced us to a whole world of drag queens and fun and it was like wig stock and so once we kind of like started working and hanging out with Billy and his partner and and this whole scene Williamsburg scene um, we were just in this colorful beautiful kind of situation we there were there was a club night called um, it was at the Pyramid Club. I can't wait. What the? What was it called? Oh, it was called the Ball of all things. Of course, of course. it was. Yeah. Called- <laughs> yeah, it was called the Ball, and it wasn't um, the Ball in Pose. But I bet it. I think it was probably. It wasn't too long after um, that kind of time, so it was probably inspired by that. Right. Um, and and we would perform um, with Mistress Formica, and lip sync. Lipsinka or I can't remember if it's Lympsinka or I think it must be Limpsinka. Um and it was just it was just a really wonderful time. Now, at you have to realize we're in New York City in Brooklyn. So that was a place where, you know, where Stonewall happened and 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 all of these like pioneers before us kind of opened up our worlds. But that's what it was like for us in the 90s. I mean. It wasn't kind of a talking point for us, especially at the beginning of our careers. But eventually, you know, as in towards the late 90s, yeah, then it was.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you 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 would have gotten your musical career started before uh, the big, the watershed moment, especially for uh, lesbian rights, which would be Ellen DeGeneres' coming out moment, which... Uh, could have ruined her career, did a big number on Laura Dern's career for a while. Uh, and it was a big deal and not necessarily all in, all in the positive way. And yet I guess it, it would be uh very different for somebody living in Brooklyn, uh, being around, uh, a community that would be very accepting of that. And I always just think about how different it would be for, uh, it so, so much of identity would, I guess not necessarily be, um, as a result of, of, of your community. But, but that sense of community would give you a uh, certain sense of comfort to, to be yourself at a time when far too many people uh, didn't, didn't feel that way at all. of course.
1: Well, you know what I'm just remembering, we moved here, you know, towards the end of the nineties. And I remember um, the Ellen's coming out show and, um, and how, how harsh, you know, the backlash was, which was so, I mean, so bizarre. Um, but I also, I also remember, um, a moment for me and Leisha when we were on, and I can't remember the name of the show, but it was like, I think it was a K-Rock show and it was a nighttime show. And the DJ asked us, are you guys gay? And I said, well, why does it matter? And we got, he's like, well, if you're not going to answer, then you obviously are. And we got into this huge argument and our label was there. And I kind of remember the label panicking, like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? Um, And it ended up being a big deal that we had that conversation. And I think I was really defensive because I felt like I didn't know what the right thing to say was. I had the label looking at us and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and that's so funny that I'm just remembering that right now. Um, it didn't end up having any um, negative effect on us that I know of. but um but it was such a big deal and I felt, you know, like, did I say the wrong thing? I mean, I'm just telling I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want it to be an issue. And at the same time, I put myself in a corner and I put us in a corner. So that was really interesting back then. That yeah. Probably- and I-
0: yeah. Go ahead. I, I, so, in, in listening to a lot of the murmurs lyrics, uh, a lot of them you you talked about metaphor. A lot of a lot of it, and I I mean I guess the tricky thing with metaphor is you could kind of see uh, it's easy as a, the even like this is something that's been studied for hundreds of years. The uh, author the rolling bar stuff of the author how, how much authority does the the composer versus the the audience take but a lot of it did seem like there were a lot of game metaphors particularly in the you Suck song which uh, i recommend if you haven't heard it if you're listening i would almost pause listen to whole watch the whole video and then come back and and uh resume the podcast but it's <laughs> it's, it's great i mean i really I, I i i said this to heather before we started recording but i i in in prepping for this interview. I think I watched, I watched some of them like they're, they're music. They're phenomenal. They're very happy, uh, feel good uh, stuff. But I did see a lot of gay metaphors in there. I think it's, it's, I don't know. You're you're the author.
1: Yeah. I mean, we were (laughs) honestly, the truth is, you know, being a murmur, we, the two of us, we just had a blast. We had a lot of fun. We were all about bright colors and, you know, our own gay pride, which we had. And, um, and that was it. So it was like, whoever wants to come along for that ride was welcome. And that's what I think shows, even though it's, it's such a compliment to, sit, to hear you say that you, um, that you like the music videos. But we always, you know, we giggle at them looking back we're like, oh, my goodness, what? Sometimes what were we thinking? But I think don't we all do that as we get older and we look back at our work? We're like, oh, my goodness. It's like a, it's like a class photo.
0: Well yeah, and I mean I I guess some of that would, would be kind of the natural result of the fact that, that technology for music videos back I, I I I see so much of the I don't know if you were filming with, with green screens, but the, the animation that's uh going through. I mean that that, that that was the technology at the time. And if it's it's cringy now, it's it's not as if uh you could go and do uh like Marvel Studio Caliber effects back then. It's it's That's
1: you know, true. I'm trying wondering which one um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess we did the You video we did on a, just a, a sound stage, uh-huh. And then there is a funny H.R. Puffin stuff. We were a part of the Saturday Morning Cartoons compilation. And there's H.R. Puffin stuff out there, which is, we did do that on a green screen. And we just had, some, <laughs> but again, you could see us just like having a great day. I mean, everything we did, it was just yeah. like, oh, this is another great day.
0: You well, know? yeah, I mean, part of why it's so fun and, um catchy and enjoyable to listen to is you you and Leecher really do look like you're having a great time. Uh, Leecher has the pink hair. You guys have some uh, outfits that I I think would probably, if you put them up for sale in like a vintage shop, would probably be worth a lot of money. (laughs) Like the style of fashion. I mean, it's just, it's it's, it's great. And I guess what I've been thinking about, so on the show for uh, a couple episodes lately, we've been talking a lot about uh, nostalgia and, in sending your video around to some people they'd say like oh being gay i would have loved to have been gay in the 90s and i think when you think like um not 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 just with that but um going back to as a as a film fan uh, a lot of the indie movies the early ones in the 90s like singles or reality bites or a mm-hmm. lot of those like it paints this great, I think there's a lot of longing with people to go back to a time before Twitter or uh, cell phones, just more broadly, kind of the the ability to live in the moment more.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, even when you say that, that is, I was just talking about that this morning, just like, it's, social media is wonderful and it's also so destructive in a lot of ways. Um but that's where we are today and like it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves in the future but back to what you're saying in the 90s i mean i wouldn't trade it for the world i literally had such a good time in new york city i had an incredible time when we moved to los angeles and we met like a, a fabulous group of women that we just you know we just played we played all day and even though it was work you know and we did have to tour the country and that was awesome as well Um, we just, we were really blessed with the people around us that, um, supported us.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess my view on, on a lot of this is, I guess, jaded, uh, as a, as a transgender person, because, um, if I was trans in the nineties, the, the access to, to, uh, medical care and surgeries and all of that would just be. So totally different. I'm like, you know, you want the, you want the nineties aesthetics, but I always, I, I have to remind myself sometimes cause I get a lot of my writing. I, I did a piece a couple months ago when uh, Disney plus launched about, it's been so fun to like go back and watch all of those cartoons and think about the, uh, all, all of the, memories associated with that stuff and sometimes you have to like just sort of yell at yourself and be like you do not want to go back there like that's <laughs> not a, it that's that time has nothing for you except like the really fun entertainment which guess what you can watch that in the present but it's just it's something that i i guess we've been uh toying around with so much that uh for for me to to hear your music and i mean the the 90s had just so many great like uh alternative rock bands and uh you you the murmurs toured with uh joe jackson with bush who i saw a couple years ago and bush is actually they're still pretty good sure, good um i guess like it, it's it, for people it may have been harder to like find physical community but um i think like in terms of 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 sort of a a, a more broad um almost like national connection to culture. Like like nowadays I sort of lament of how hard it is to f- find new music. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with the way that it's currently curated, which is more on like places like Spotify or
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's hard. I mean, physical DJs and that kind of stuff. They're important.
1: I agree. I agree. And I was also talking about that recently. Like I miss, you know, the CDs kind of get a little cluttery and scratchy. Um, and I do like, I do love vinyl. I mean, that's just, a wonderful way to go, but I do miss going into a record store and, and shuffling through. I mean, we've got Amoeba Records in Los Angeles. Oh, wait, I, I've I've been in a, as you know, I've, I've kind of like been out of the scene for a little bit, but that's where I used to go. Um, uh, at, at Amoeba, just um, moved recently. You did?
0: No, it, Amoeba moved. Oh, that's one?
1: yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, wait a second, where did they go? I don't know. Where are they now, Amoeba?
0: They moved. You know, we would go out there – like, we're pretty spoiled in Long Long Beach. I have two record stores within literal walking distance from my apartment. But um, we would go to Amoeba when my partner and I used to have uh, Universal Orlando – not – no, Universal Hollywood passes. And uh, if if the traffic was really bad on the way back, we would do a detour because – and uh, I would spend an hour just going through there, but so I haven't been in a while because now we have Disneyland passes, and Amoeba's is nowhere near that. So. <laughs> my my record, Amoeba store record buying is is intrinsically linked to theme park attendance. Um, I forget it. They moved a couple because they had that great, they had a really great space. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I, I collect vinyl, and I, I I do I love the the physical element i don't miss like cd vhs is i mean not vhs uh cassette tapes have been making kind of a comeback lately and it's kind of a a head scratcher because i I don't really i don't know why that uh medium is beloved it's not particularly It doesn't sound particularly good but here we are i guess
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well it's interesting I mean the streaming it depends on on what you're listening to music on but it's like there's always some kind of like warble like thin warble going on in the background for any of the devices that I'm using. But um but anyway yeah I just I miss I miss those days when music was available in that kind of you know in a physical format where you could go through and see who played on the album, who produced the album, who mastered the album, you know, um who engineered the album, who all that
0: stuff. Um well, I I watched a video. I, I want to say I think you were performing with. I forgot to one hundred percent fact check this, but you guys were performing a rendition of White Rabbit, which I love. Uh, and I want to say that was on Craig Kilborn. Is that right? Yes, the, that w- okay. that
1: was. And in that video, um, Grace Slick is actually in that video. Oh my god! And she it was her son in law that directed it. So that was so amazing i mean yeah that was super cool
0: yeah i've done uh like this is a this i can admit i i've done a lot of lsd listening to that song <laughs> I, I, my, re- my record of that is somewhere somewhere in the somewhere in this room i'd have to dig it out um that uh yeah it's it's and, and my my the reason i thought of that would be um the end of uh talk shows like uh i guess that would have been uh when he was hosting the late late show and then he went I'm not sure if you did that after The Daily Show or not. Um, People would discover new bands at the end of uh, talk shows. And now it's like, okay, I I, I feel like a lot of those exist now more for the individual viral segments that go on YouTube versus like their their full entirety of their shows.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. But I just have this hopeful feeling that as far as, you know, the way people receive their music – that it's going to turn around and it'll kind of get more analog (laughs) as a general term. Uh Um, again, I do, I really think, especially after this pandemic, um, we're all just so reliant on our computers and our phones that there's going to be, I think, um, a comeback for these, Old-fashioned ways of being, and I just also wanted to add when you were just like being reminiscent of the '90s, which I am always re- reminiscent of myself. Um, you know, when we were the young people of the '90s, we were fantasizing about the '60s. Oh man, Woodstock! Uh-huh. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be so cool? And that's kind of like how we were, you know, presenting ourselves to the world. We're like we're colorful. We're you know we're '60s and '70s. We're you know that was our vibe. Um, so it's really funny how we kind of, you know, glamorize the decade before us, or decades before us. I mean, I love the '80s now. I, I don't think I paid much attention to the '80s and the '90s. I was thinking about like the '60s and the '70s, and now I'm just like crazy about the '80s.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of '80s nostalgia going on. I have a lot of friends who are nostalgic from the '80s. Who, I mean, some of them will say like, "Well, I was born in the '80s." I'm like, "Well, you were born in like '89. That does not count." Like, <laughs> like i was born in 91 i, I have memories of like h- how things were back then but I, I don't know i mean we're the boring millennial generation our we had uh i don't know we had we, AOL you've got mail that's our big uh that's our big pop culture the the early uh the flash animation stuff and all of that but mm-hmm. um you mentioned touring which i was going to ask about because um there's this thing going around the coronavirus, which um, has, has affected uh, a, a lot of people's lives. It affected the show. We had to even, even a podcast. So, I mean, that's like, if you think about the scale of uh, touring. And especially, like, I guess, so with um, the Murmurs, for a while it was uh, just you and Leisha as a duo, and then you expanded, and then then Red Car and, and your other bands would be a little bigger. Um Touring for uh, like your 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 genre of uh I I guess what it would interest me a lot about that is like when I was in college and even now a lot of the shows I like to go to are like more of the smaller venues or the coffee house ones where you basically get to like stand a, a feet away and I was just lamenting with the coronavirus uh, I don't know who knows when people get to do that again
1: I know um. I, I don't think anybody really knows but I'm I just feel like maybe in a year or two um, realistically but I don't know I mean I wish I did <laughs> I wish I did
0: yeah I mean can you talk a little bit about what it was like to tour back then the turn of the century the early 2000s all of that yes I
1: mean, I mean we touring was one of my favorite things to do we just we Um, MCA Records, our label at the time, bought us a van, a white Chevy conversion van, and we painted it, and it looked like, I mean, it had a giant rainbow on it, we had our gay flag stickers going, we had like a mushroom, and we had, um, Leisha's mom made us a ladybug tire cover, I mean, we were, the inside was so cute, I mean, we just went all out on our van, so, um, which was it was not a curse, but it was, it, it definitely drew a lot of attention. Um, you know, when we got pulled over here and there because of it. But, um, but we just, we toured with the most incredible people. Like you said, we toured with, um, Joe Jackson. We toured with Adam Ant. I mean, that was unbelievable. Um, Bush was really, they, we had, we met them at a radio show and they were so sweet and they invited us to go on tour with them for three weeks. And at the time, like they were kind of just exploding. They were getting so big. And our label's like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. They want you to tour with them. So the only caveat was that when we started touring with them, we realized in the, in the regions where we weren't on the radio, the audience could not stand us. And we had dip cans thrown at us and, you know, people, (laughs) you know, people kind of, you know, just, just it was, it was just like one of those cliché. If they had tomatoes, I think they would have thrown the tomatoes. I, and so, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be like, oh, yeah, well, this next song's for you. And it's called You Suck. Um, so it was, it was one of those <laughs> situations. But this is what is so interesting. So take us, that might have that been in Texas. Let's take us to another place, like Chicago, a major city. And we're, we're opening for Bush. And we're on the radio getting just as much play as they're getting um, completely different situation. It was like the same, it was just, it just drew a different crowd and somehow like those shows were awesome and so fun. So it was an interesting tour to be on, um, with them, but that was, it was so huge and so nice of them to take us out and they they were great. Um, and who else did we tour with? Oh, do you remember that song? Um, I was about to say, I get knocked down, but I get up again. It wasn't, oh, yeah.
0: tub, tub, tub it
1: wasn't them. It was not them. But that's the song I thought it, that came to mind. It was, um. the band is called OMC. Um, OMC, so yeah. What was their song? Um,
0: uh,
1: I can't remember. I, it's
0: actually, it's funny you bring that up. Like this past week, I, I have been adding uh, orce- OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, Um I had gotten a couple of theirs on vinyl, which I'd been trying to find for a while. And oh, how bizarre! That's oh,
1: funny. how bizarre! How bizarre! How bizarre. So we toured, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we toured them. Um, and then we also did um, Lilith Fair, which was like a dream come true experience with like all of our idols. So
0: Chris, I I, I, yeah. I think about how I, in college I was at uh, I was up in Boston in I guess the 2009 to 2013 and when we would throw house parties and some of my friends would play like OMC or or tub thumping. And I'd always like take, take the speaker. They were my speakers and I would take them and I'd, as revenge, I'd put on something like Kate Bush. And I wish, (laughs) I I wish, I wish I'd had, I wish I'd had the, I think people would have really liked that. I think that, um, I think, you know, for LGBTQ listeners listening now, uh, I, I really highly, I, I was very excited when, I got the email that you're interested. In. Check out this music. Like, this is this is awesome, and it's awesome in a way too. There is some uh, like there's a lot of cringe about '90s, like people or people are thinking of like the Macarena or even I Get Knocked Down, which I don't know how that song even got uh, big in America because a lot of like the he drinks a whiskey drink, he drinks a lager drink. Nobody calls beer lager over here, so I don't know how anybody or and nobody drinks cider in the U.S. either. So uh, I don't know how that song got big. Nobody can understand what the hell they were talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's such a fun it's a fun time to think about. And I guess you know because you've uh, you know you're older, you have a family now. Uh, I guess it's 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 fun to like think about all of that. But but for you, I guess life life and priorities will have certainly changed. Or I hope they would. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, that the murmurs, the days of being a murmur. I mean, I was just talking to Alicia the other day and I said, you know, those are part of the fabric of, of who I am today, you yeah. know, uh, from when I was a murmur. So I just, I'll just always treasure it. And I've got like boxes full of like, you know, clippings from, from all the press that we did that are just so hysterical and fun to go through. And, you know, I just treasure it. I treasure it. And it's like, again, it it was a time when I love you know, it was like alt rock. We were inspired by so many of our, um, you know, fellow bands and musicians, and we got to work with a lot of them. So I have nothing but gratitude. And and when I, when I was teasing the, the videos earlier, I mean, we still, if you can't laugh at yourself, if you look back in time and you almost feel removed because there's like the constant growth happening within us. You know, we're always like growing and changing and evolving, but you look back and it's just like, I, even the stuff that I used to be like, oh, why is YouTube invented? Who put that on there? <laughs> um, you know, even all those things have just like gone a, water off a duck's back. I just, I've just let it go. And I even, yeah, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't believe like, that's what I, that's how I handled that situation. Or that's what I said, or that's what I look like, or that's whatever. I just, I, I've said this before, but in a strange way, um, I love myself more now than I ever have in my whole life. That's where I, that's where I am today. And I think that's an important place to be. And so I'm just like proud of the journey that, that I had back then.
0: Yeah. Are, are your kids old enough? You have, you have uh, twins, right?
1: Yeah. 10. They're both 10. So, oh, so they're old. Yeah. They're
0: old enough to find that stuff on you. Do they? Do they? I uh,
1: I have tried. I have tried. <laughs> and I do sometimes get a wow. Oh, sometimes, I'm, and then it's like, can I watch YouTube? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like my my experience with music growing up, my dad is and was a huge uh, metalhead, and as soon as I was old enough to. Be taken out on school nights and not like fall asleep at ten. Uh, he was taking me to concerts, and at the time, his uh, the company he worked for had a box at Madison Square Garden, so he was constantly taking me to um, a lot of a lot of shows where it was like kind of okay if you had to like leave before the encore. But I grew up, I grew up, I guess, with the kind of a head start on some of my peers on music, and then as as a closeted uh, gay trans person, I had to kind of figure out, you know, okay, a lot of well, there. I always have to remind a lot of people, even like some of my dad's um, uh, contemporaries, just just how how gay heavy metal and heavy metal aesthetics really are, especially influenced by like somebody like Rob Halford of Judas Priest, who who is gay. And um, but like in, in terms of discovering uh, music, I mean, it, it was. I feel like it was very helpful um, toward discovering my identity to see just any kind of any kind of art. I guess we we even watch um, we watch a couple old uh, lesbian movies from the 80s earlier, and it, it, you see how much it's like shaped by uh, the climate. Um, the film was I think it was the Dead Hearts, um, and it was all about like being in the closet or being yourself. And I, I think that art in that kind of sense. Doesn't necessarily owe a responsibility, but sort of performs like has a has a function of of kind of helping people along the way. Of it, art, art is communal.
1: Yeah, art is communal.
0: It is. Um, it's really great to hear that you are still friends with Leisha. I was going to ask that, but of course, that's kind of a weird thing to ask. Like, what if the answer is no?
1: <laughs> yes, we're still friends. We are still yeah. friends.
0: I did. Oh, sorry, good.
1: No, no, it's just funny because I mean you can't. You know, when you spend – like, she, we were best friends, you know, so we just – we had such a big journey together. Before the murmurs, after the murmurs, you know.
0: I did a rewatch of The L Word in um, – I guess it would have been from, like, November to I, – I had major surgery in, in October, so I was kind of – uh out of uh, out of out of it for a while, and just watching TV that I wasn't gonna then go, in turn go and review. Although uh, The L Word came back um, as a as a new show, and it was it's such a like fascinating show to to think about. And also, I mean, Licia, I mean Alice, Alice Piazeski, who that name sounds a lot familiar to a guy you said earlier, Bill.
1: Oh, Bill Basinski. Yeah. Billy yeah. Basinski. That's so funny.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I it's funny she was the only actual I think lesbian of the principal cast and uh which is especially no, funny cuz I Alice- mean
1: Kate Kate was um Kate. yeah Kate Meneg was okay. um and then who else was in there I maybe those two um.
0: cuz Alice herself I've always kind of had a soft spot for her cuz she's bi and not she's not actually gay on the show although I can't think if she I, I don't remember if she had any significant male romances on the show but the character was supposed to be bisexual yeah um and it's funny to like think about how it, it's a, a time capsule I, I've I've wanted to do like a spin-off podcast called uh, Jenny Schechter did nothing wrong which is all about all of the things that Jenny Schechter did that were were in fact wrong <laughs> but um, I feel like as a character she was so um just it it she got so criticized back then by like the if you go back and read like what people were writing about as as the show was airing and yet i mean the the, what i love i guess is uh, like the the material that i've been working on for uh manuscripts and stuff there's like a hesitation now to like portraying lgbtq people in any sense of like uh in, in a negative sense, because you're you're supposedly like playing into right wing tropes or whatnot. But I mean, I, I know a lot of LGBTQ people who are assholes, and I think it's important to write villains in terms of our perspective.
1: Yeah, why not? I mean, it's it's there should be no limits, right? As far as the different types of people in the world.
0: So you, I mean, you you as a songwriter have, um, you know, you've you've been uh, touring and making music for a long time. Did you find that the? I mean, you got your start more with uh, you were around musical theater and and training in that, and now you're uh, going back to that. Do you, do you see them as like um, the the processes uh, help help each other, or they kind of play into each other? Do you think it's like very difficult to do one versus the other?
1: Well, um, no, I, I I feel like it all kind of flows into each other. It's, it just depends what kind of songs people write. I mean, for me. Um, I started writing music when I was about 12, um, really get, getting into it, like, oh no, I'm, you know, getting my feelings out on the page through, through music. Um, but for me, I've just always loved musical theater and, and always been inspired by musical theater. So, you know, it just evolved into that. This is like a time in my life where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to look back in another 20 years and say, oh, I should have pursued that. I should have pursued, um, you know, composing for for musicals. And so I'm just going to give it my all and um, and hope it goes to where I want it to go. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to have a blast get trying to get there because I love it so much. But no, it doesn't feel um, unusual, the transition into musical theater at all for me.
0: Do your kind of your musical theater uh, songs kind of had the same sort of? uh, You could you could make a murmurs musical, I think, uh, with a lot of your the the conversation. Like you could structure. I think the term rock opera in a lot of cases is kind of cliched, but uh, you could kind of make a lot of themes out of what you had written earlier, based on the lyrics and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's possible. I think that's definitely possible. Like my new song. Um, right here right now is very, right. you know, much a monologue. so <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I think so too. And I also agree with you about some of the murmur songs. I mean, I, I think there are definitely many stories that can be told through some of our albums,
0: so right here right now was uh, inspired by some, uh, uh- Pretty big health health uh, difficulties that you had to to overcome in twenty eighteen. Uh, do you want to talk a little yeah, bit about that?
1: Yeah, I and you know I got actually um, got married. I got remarried in um, two thousand eighteen in September, and I'd just been to a checkup. You know, like about a month before, just a routine checkup, and my doctor called me around the wedding and said, "Hey, you know your platelets are low. I think you should go back and get them." Checked again, it might be nothing. So I did a few times, and like by October, um, they realized that I had acute myeloid leukemia, and so um, it was kind of like this rush to like get me into the hospital to start treating me. I mean, it was so weird because I felt completely healthy, I had no symptoms. I was like a marathon runner, all that stuff, very healthy um, lifestyle. So anyway, long story short, I had a very rough year in 2000, like right after my wedding, I started intense treatment. And um, I had a, what's called a bone marrow transplant, which is not an operation, but it's like this scientific um, procedure where they they actually give you new blood cells for, from a donor. So um, I am a different blood type even. And um, I'm I'm good. I'm like... I made it through. I'm still like, you know, I have little, I have little like things that I'm trying to overcome because of the treatment was so intense. But it's worth the price of admission. And the reason I wrote the song is because I had to remind myself um, of my strength. And um, and the reason I'm even talking about it and being so, for me, it's it's quite vulnerable to talk about. But I don't think that the diagnosis of the leukemia that I had defines me, but it's my hope that if anybody's struggling out there, um, to just inspire them because, um, everybody was very worried and scared for me. Um, but I just like found it inside myself to overcome and I, I, and that it's possible that it's possible to still overcome difficult, um, and physical challenging times.
0: Well, that's that's so great to hear, and uh, so sorry for the struggle. I mean, that's uh, it's just horrible, horrible to think about, and to uh, you know, it's it's great that you were able to to take something uh, from that in a way that would uh, you, you'd be able to um, sort of inspire, pass pass your what 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 you've taken away from the journey to the next person who might be might be struggling.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be the only reason that I would kind of start talking about it. And, and again, I think my song really kind of, especially like in this coronavirus and all this, and I think there's so much frustration and people get the coronavirus blues um, and, oh, yeah. um, you know, just want to get back out into the world. Well, I had to live that, you know, before the coronavirus, that was a part of my, a chapter in my life, you know, because I, they, my immune system was so compromised in order to get me ready for, you know, they had to get rid of the leukemia and then get my body ready for um, the bone marrow transplant. And so I, (laughs) I've got a year on the coronavirus because I was already kind of like isolated and being careful. Um, And then I just started kind of breaking out again. And boy, was I breaking out. I was like, New York City, here I come. Um, But, but long story short is like, we can, we can make this, we can make it through this. And, and it's, it's about just finding the light and finding the gratitude inside of all the wonderful things that are happening in your life. And I trust me, I know people are, may be feeling the opposite or have different situations. Um, and it's not a, it's not an easier said than done. It's just looking for the nuggets of, of love, looking for the nuggets of gratitude. I know everybody has a different situation, so I'm not going to be so broad-stroked with it. Um, and that's the best advice I, I can give.
0: Well, so one thing I hear a lot from people, and I've fallen into this this boat as well uh, with this this uh, just seemingly never end to. I the past couple of days I've been wondering like, do I is this like, this is still quarantine? Like Los Angeles, California it's still getting pretty hit with covid but um, people are finding it very hard to create and yet for a lot of artists uh, I, I don't i don't want to speak for anybody else but like i get kind of antsy if i haven't like written anything or done anything in like a week or two even even when you're like sick and stuff and that 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 sort of intrinsic desire to create can clash with like the idea that um, the world out there is 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 it's not really a great environment to create in. It's a moody place out there right now.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's where art is born, you know. It's born in the it's it's cre- it's comes from the moodiness. I mean, there's going to be a lot there, there's a lot to, there actually is a lot to talk about, you know, like the frustration, the antsiness, the, um, isolation, the finding ways to, um, to be kind to ourselves. And then again, like getting back to the gratitude, which is what I kind of feel like as far as my, my regular songwriting goes is, is really all that's coming from me right now, you know? So, and it, and it won't always it won't always be that way, but it's funny. Like most of my career, it's it's more about like oh this person wronged me or this person broke my heart, and this is what this song's about. And then I I went through that challenging moment, and and now the songs are about not like why did that happen to me, but more like oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to be here. <laughs>
0: So you, you put out your, your new song, uh, right here, right now. Are you working on a, well, you, you're working on your musical. Are, are is there a, are you plans for an album to?
1: Yeah. I, can- I mean, I definitely, you know, I still write for myself. So I, I'm still writing songs and, um, working on, you know, compiling enough songs for an album for sure. But, um, no, I just had this wonderful opportunity where I signed, um, a production deal with Christine Russell who did um, head over heels she was a producer uh-huh. on head over heels and um, the musical beautiful and so I'm working with her and I'm um, on a project called tinseltown tiptoe that I um, the book writer is Nicholas coster um, who I went to the American Academy with and um, so we're we're working on that piece right now and it's in development and I'm you know, having to go back and rewrite music for that. So that's what I'm up to primarily right now.
0: So the the entire music industry is, I guess I could say 100% changed since the 90s. I'm not sure that that number is even, you could say like 200 a billion times different than it was back then. How does that kind of change your your songwriting process? I there was a I, the question comes to mind because there was a controversial. I think it was either I was going to say earlier this week. It's only when I don't even know what time what time is anymore. It's uh, but uh, a Spotify creator. I mean, uh, Sp- the Spotify CEO said artists need to like transition between uh, from from making an album every couple of years to basically like, putting out music all the time if you want to make money and it kind of bothers me from the sense of like, you know, or, 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 you can't just measure art through like a dollar sign, but it does, the, the, the change in the industry does, I guess, have to affect the creative process in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like people aren't even buying music. Nobody's, I mean, not that nobody, but very few people are going um, to their music server and, you know, paying a dollar, even a dollar for a song. They're just streaming it. Or they're playing it on, like you said, on Spotify and Napster or whatever, or Apple Music. I mean, all the different platforms. Um, but they're streaming it. And and a lot of the checks I think that people are getting are from streams, which is, you know, pennies. Yep. So it's, it's, it's a really new time for um, musicians out there. And um, you have to be really creative. And I feel like your generation is very creative when it comes to YouTube and, and all these different, um, you know, and TikTok tock and all, all these things that, that are out there, Instagram. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, for me, as far as my songwriting goes and putting an album out there, I'm doing it for the love of it. And that's because that's what I do, but I have not, I don't understand, um, the new platform as far as like people aren't, buying albums anymore
0: think yeah and I, think I mean, it's sad people may be listening to this show on Spotify. i remember when we got approved because our, our our source feed you have to do it in a specific format for spotify and i i, I found a workaround uh to get it mm-hmm. on spotify without downgrading the format and when i said that we were on spotify people were like oh it's great it's a great way to like monetize your platform I'm like hey can't wait for these pennies to start rolling in soon I'll have enough for like the Scrooge uh, McDuck uh, vault full of money um, it's yeah it, it, it's something that I guess for a lot of people uh, it, it can be uh, uh, frustrating to uh, have to try try and like think about it in that kind of way because it's just so antithetical to the creative process but for for musicians as well, Co- we We talked about it a, a little earlier, but i mean the the sort of common logic the common thinking around uh how musicians make money now is is touring which uh is not happening right now people are some some bands that I like uh they set up like happy hour uh they stream themselves like playing in their own private studios and you they do that for tips that's how they make money and it's really innovative but um uh, it must be just kind of be doing a number on the industry
1: mm-hmm i'm sure it is i mean but on, on, on there all the industries are suffering
0: right right now that's true film film is uh god we're we're getting so many uh i've, I've been kind of waiting for the day when the review requests just kind of like fall off the edge and hollywood just finally runs out of like things that it has banked for the past couple of years but haven't gotten there yet but we'll <laughs> see <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's uh who knows? I mean, these are, these are uncharted times. I wanted to ask you, so, uh, I read in your, in your background, you, well, we've talked about, you have, um, you have two kids and, uh, how has that kind of changed your perspective uh, as an artist?
1: Well, um, when you have kids, it, like for me having kids, it, it, a big portion of your life is no longer about you. It's about them and raising good people for the future and you know and enjoy and, and being present and so I it just as far as um you know my songwriting it took me a little bit more out of myself um and so I I think that's the simplest way I can kind of answer that
0: yeah I I agree it it's been a topic kind of on my mind recently uh my partner and i as it gets more we've been uh together uh lived together for a couple of years and we're thinking about having kids like some i mean for lgbtq couples it's also more challenging because uh the the logistics of of having a child are a lot more uh difficult in a lot of cases um and you think about kind of like how the world you know for, for millennials in particular uh being told you'll never grow up and i just i turned 29 about two weeks ago so and I've, I've i've yet to really find anybody who will commiserate like feeling upset about turning 30 because a lot of my friends have already done it and they're like you know be be thankful that you're young at all like nobody nobody feels sorry for you
1: <laughs> that's very funny
0: yeah and it's just it, it's it's I always, you know, when you get somebody who has been involved with the lesbian community for for so long, and you know, do you have any advice for people who are uh, kind of in the uh, shoes that you were in a couple of years ago or ten years ago when you when you were having your kids?
1: Um the advice it's it's worth it. And I always I just I love my kids. I love being a mom. It's um something I dreamed of, and I waited a little bit. i wait i I was thirty eight when I had my kids. So, um, I, I couldn't feel more blessed. I I don't know what to say. I think it's such a unique situation for people, but, um, I just love the direction it's, it's turned my life towards. Um, it's really, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving and that's all I can say right now, (laughs) but I'm, I love, I love it. I love being a mom. I'm so blessed. I love my kids
0: like crazy I, I think that's that's really important to hear i mean i it, it it's an incredibly touchy subject especially for the trans community um for for people who because you grew up you grew up for so long thinking like you know will anybody love me as my authentic self and well the, and then it kind of like segues to you know will i ever be strong enough to stand on my own two feet and then from there you know will I be able to stand on my own two feet enough to take care of other people? And, like, that's just such a it's, a... it's a difficult process, especially for LGBTQ people who have had to, uh, for so long, kind of be, like, ashamed of who you are, and then you have to, like, go... Th- especially, I guess, also for trans people, like... I Like, it it, it it's so... It's bizarre to, like, tell... Like people in like everyday life, are, like like I could check my Twitter messages, and somebody will have just slid, slid into like call me a pedophile, and, like, <laughs> and it's like, it, it you, you can't really do anything but laugh about that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, one of these days I'm like gonna have an actual kid, and then they're gonna like call me that, and it's just awful. It's horrible to like think about.
1: You gotta like well, grow up. That's that is horrible, and and I feel like the people that do that and say those kinds of things, um, have problems within themselves. And it's recognizing that, you know, people with such hate and anger, that is not about you or me or anybody, but themselves. And that's the sad thing. I mean, when just this, this is not a comparison, this is just a different kind of thing. Like when somebody you're driving your car and somebody screams at you, for example, Uh It's never, it's almost like, oh my goodness, like what is wrong? What's going on with them? Um, You know, we, we all make, you know, as a driver, it's like, I do my best out there and you know, you go, you go, you go, please, please go ahead of me. Um, But when somebody's just that angry, that's not about you or me. Right. And it's, it's sad.
0: And, yeah, and, I mean, you know, you're somebody who's been out in the community for uh, a very long time, and, and like, even, like, somebody like me, I'm able to tell plenty of people how different the world was from, you know, the early 2000s, but... I guess, you know, for for the, the, the big struggle that I guess we're having uh, lately, and it's sort of an example of the uh, big dilemma is like Ellen getting in uh, the controversy when she was uh, talking it up with uh, George Bush at that Dallas game uh, a couple of months ago. Maybe that was even longer than that. And a lot of people are like, well, what the hell are you doing? That guy tried to pass a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage. Like, why why are we rehabilitating George Bush? And I I do hear the other side of that basically saying, like, okay, the world really – there are a lot of people who really, really hated us a long time ago. And, you know, we do – whether anyone likes it or not, we do kind of have to move on from this. We can't just hate everybody. Mm
1: Mm-hmm
0: it's, 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 it's kind of that big dilemma of like, you know, and, and, and people who are older, I mean, it's, 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 it's really challenging for a lot of people to, you know, the, the stuff that people have been through the stories and, and then to kind of say, okay, now society is okay with it, but why weren't they okay with it back then? You know, I don't know. It, it's it's a big challenge. It,
1: it is challenging. And I think it's like super, super complex, but, um, I see this not about what you just mentioned, but kind of as a whole, you know, for the people that have hurt me in the past emotionally, if I don't forgive them, then I'm, then I'm, I find that I pay the consequence of like, of things eating me up inside. Like I I try really hard to, to find the forgiveness just for myself so Uh that I, so that I can move on so that I'm not obsessing on like, I can't believe that person said that, or I can't believe that person did that, or I can't, you know, and, and it takes me out of the victim role right? when I just say, you know, when I turn it back and like, that's, that's a sad, you know, situation for them and that's their growth that, that needs to happen. And of course, like if we can all be a part, be an, ex, set an example, um, that would be, that's amazing. And you know what, we're still evolving and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. From, from the time that – when I came out of the closet to my um, parents, both of them had different reactions. Um, one of them was worried, like so worried, like are you – Right. How yeah. will you ever meet anybody? Um, and, <laughs> and the other one was like, no, you're not. You know, the, if you're confused, then you're not. You know, just really kind of hard uh-huh. on me. And, you know, m- my mom's not with me anymore, but my dad is. And my dad kind of – you know, he just – he just sees it all so differently. He's he's grown. He's grown with the times. He's evolved with the times. And he's just so happy that I'm happy. So he, that was kind of, a, it's a very different um, person today than he was back then. So as far as, you know, accepting and understanding.
0: Well, and, you, and you're somebody, I mean, you, you've traveled, you've seen a lot of this country, a lot of this world over a, a long period of time. Like like from your perspective, this is a perspective of somebody who has really like, it can be hard, I guess, to like, like just put in content, like how, how different you, you, I've done a fair bit of traveling to red States over the past like couple of years and have been pretty, um, pretty, uh, comfortable and people generally speaking have treated me pretty well. I mean, you, you you toured in the nineties with like a very pretty, pretty, pretty pretty visibly gay duo, I guess. Or, or the, the, with, with the, do people really, I mean, you, you talked about the radio, uh, the radio, uh, story earlier, but I mean, w- was that common knowledge, I guess?
1: That we were gay? Yeah. No, it wasn't at the time that like we were, we had our song and it was like blazing everywhere. No, but it, it wasn't, nobody asked us and we didn't hide who we were. And except for at that time that I was saying at the beginning of the Conversation about being on the radio here in Los Angeles when we were touring, and you know he was like, "So, are you guys a couple or some something kind of provocative?" Yeah. And I got kind of annoyed, like, "What? What does this have to do with anything?" Um, and I and instead of just you know kind of being feeling free about coming out of the closet, I got more upset that he wouldn't let it go. And and why did he need to know? So, um, but, but again, we were very free and open about who we were in general, and it was not an issue, but I will tell you something just random and funny. Um, so we dyed our hair, so Alicia dyed her hair hot pink and I dyed my hair rainbow. And, um, we got it done at Patricia Fields in Manhattan. And, um, we just, that was our like we showed up at the record label. We weren't signed with our like colorful hair. We were signed like as two like brunettes. And they were like, whoa, okay. And so then off we went on the road. And I will say, in like some of these places that like these truck stops that we would stop off, people would like hold their bags close to them and like stay far away from us. They thought we were freaks. And <laughs> and it was a it was actually one of my first experiences uh, feeling like an outcast. And uh-huh. I was like, and even one night when we got pulled over, um, after a show, I got out of the car with my rainbow hair. The officer had me come in to get out of the car. And like, I said, Hey, I said, I know, you know, I guess like we may look like strange, but you know, we're a band and that's why our van is painted. And like, I'm sure that it just all made it worse. Oh, you're a band, huh? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Yeah, it was the first time I thought, "Oh my gosh!" Just you know, people are judging me by the way I look. And even though it was meant to be a statement and it was meant to be flamboyant and fun, um, there was a little bit of a a a new experience happening on Uh our end.
0: I I I mean, the the reason I primarily brought that up, I'm I'm very cognizant of the fact that um, as a podcast, we have a lot of listeners who are in. Rural areas. We have a lot of listeners who are in countries that are. I mean, our our numbers. We've we've charted in Russia a couple of times, which is bizarre because you're not really even allowed to be gay in Russia. Um, so I'm I'm very cognizant of the fact that there are a lot of people listening who are, are maybe not out out to their parents or their situations and, and are afraid. And I think it's important to be able to talk about the fact that, yeah, there are a lot of there are being yourself in this world. Involves, especially if you're LGBTQ, involves like just kind of the understanding that there, there, there will be cringy stories that happen. And I think like the best thing you do is kind of laugh about it and move on. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, but um, so as we as we wrap up the episode, um, normally I kind of ask what what's next. We've been um. Kind of talking about that, but if there's any any aspect of your career that uh, we haven't talked about that's upcoming and you want to talk about, uh, feel free. But also in conjunction with that, do you have advice for uh, songwriters or musicians or or people just wanting to to you know who who might be inspired by this episode and want to like go out and do something? And of course, you can't go out and do something.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? It's all in our hands. Even if we don't have an instrument, we have our voice. Um, we can get a pen and a piece of paper and we can write our feelings out. And that, that is also art, you know, journaling is art and it's poetry. And, um, so I just say one thing that's made me better at what I do is being true to myself. And, um, that's, that's the first step is speaking from the heart and, um, and it feels better that way too. So. That's my advice in that realm. And as far as like what I'm doing, I would love everyone to check out my um, my new music video, which was um, directed by Leanna Creel and edited by Tracy Hoff. Because another again, the song from my heart. So it's called "Right Here, Right Now." That would be amazing. And I just want to say to all your listeners, like, love yourself, stay in gratitude, and. Thank you for, any, for taking the time to hear all I had to say today. And thank, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Well, Heather, you've had a really fascinating career. I like, I've had fun going through your catalog, um, the many stages of your career. I mean, there's a lot of musical evolution from, from The Murmurs to Red Car to uh, what you're doing now. And uh, it, it's fascinating to see. Uh, we'll be following your, what you're up to with uh, great interest. And I want to thank you so much for coming on and uh to the listeners thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time thank
1: you everyone